We're in John chapter 7. Be looking at verses 40 through 53. Uh, Jesus has spoken of His Holy Spirit who believers will be given. But it's after Jesus is glorified. After Jesus has finished His work, after He has gone to the cross then he will give his Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. But consider, Jesus giving his Holy Spirit, who will be ever-present with every believer. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was limited to one place, one time, and you had to be fortunate to be there in his presence. Before he ascended into heaven, though, he, he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be your comforter. And the Holy Spirit is probably the mysterious side of God that we probably least understand, but he dwells within each and every believer. What a beautiful thing. As Paul the Apostle said, he said, the mystery of God is that He, by His Spirit, dwells in us. Now try to explain that to someone who doesn't believe, that God dwells in me. It becomes a responsibility of ours to cultivate the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. And we're to be men and women of the Spirit. It happens to be the most precious gift that God has given to us, His Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered, like me, what it would have been like to be one of Jesus' disciples? Would I have been slow of heart that we see them being at times? slow to believe, and it's easy to pick apart the disciples who walked with Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is an example in our lives of what kind of disciple I would have been if I had walked with Jesus. Do we give ourselves over to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Do we live a life directed by God Himself? Is the Holy Spirit my teacher and comforter? Jesus will now, He will move forward from His teaching there in the temple and he will move on from the impact that it has had upon the people. So let's pick up in John chapter 7, verse 40, and we'll read through 44. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? 
So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. We need to understand the Jewish people a little bit. The Jewish faith highly, highly exalts Moses. Moses, their deliverer, delivered Israel out of Egypt. Moses parted the Red Sea. Moses pronounced the plagues upon Egypt. Moses, given the Ten Commandments, given the law on the mountain out in the wilderness. And Moses says that God will give the nation of Israel a prophet like myself. The prophet. This is the prophet that the people refer to in verse 40. That singular prophet like Moses. The prophet of deliverance. But others said no. The Messiah, the Christ, will not be a prophet. But he will be our Christ. The Christ that all of Israel awaits. There were some who believed that a prominent prophet would rise from the dead and appear before Messiah. But some also knew that Christ would be the seed of David. And he, they knew that he would come from Bethlehem. And many of them did not realize that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So we have a division there among the people concerning Jesus. But uh, no person or not even the temple guards dare to lay a hand on Jesus. So we have there ignorance by some of the Jews rejecting Jesus because they simply didn't know his place of birth. Perhaps you know someone who's rejected Jesus on a false premise. As Christians, as believers, we hear that the Bible is just a bunch of books written by men. Therefore, the Bible must be full of men's opinion. Or consider the virgin birth. That, was, that is extremely difficult for a lot of people to accept. It's only Jesus can claim virgin birth. Years ago, we had a, a man here who attended, and he, he found his bride, and he got married. But his wife didn't accept the resurrection. And this became a real dilemma in their marriage. And it was the same in Jesus' day. 
as it is today. Some believe, some don't believe, some look for a reason not to believe, others are willing to believe. I think that's one of the reasons we, most of us, come to Christ at an early age. An early age when we're willing to believe. Man's carnal logic sometimes can be so entrenched into our thinking, even as we grow older, and the older we get, the more we depend upon carnal logic. And then it becomes the more difficult to then believe. But we're to hear Jesus' words to Thomas, one of his disciples, and he told Thomas, be believing. Not sorting out the facts by an act of your will, be believing. Jesus has been truthful there in the temple to his fellow Jews, yet there remains a division. Believing is reasonable to anyone truly seeking truth, and it's so reasonable that we see a child can grasp it and embrace Jesus coming into their heart and life. I am very grateful that the Holy Spirit has given me a heart to believe. And so are you. You've been given a heart to believe. And we believe to what? Eternal life. Just by a simple act of believing, we determine our destination, heaven or hell. How serious is that? Let's pick up now verse 45 and through 53. <clears throat> then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees and said to them, Why have you not brought him, speaking of Jesus, the officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered him, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But the crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And then verse 53, and everyone went to his own home. The temple guards who have been sent to arrest Jesus report back to the chief priests without Jesus. They have not brought this Jesus, this this man of Galilee. And their, their excuse, their reply is, no man ever spoke like this man. Now, put yourself in the place of a temple guard. You've heard the many teachings there at temple by all the prominent rabbis. These guards are soldiers they're hired, their livelihood is to carry out the desires of the chief priest. Yet they defy a direct order to arrest Jesus. 
There's more to it than simple disobedience here by these guards. They really cannot arrest Jesus. God will not allow it. He says, my hour is not yet come. It's amazing to me the control that Jesus has over an unruly crowd that doesn't even realize how they're being controlled. Being a temple guard, they've seen the hypocrisy of their chief priest. They have seen, they have been part of the money-grabbing practices of the religious leaders. They were present there when Jesus cleared the temple of the money changers and the rip-off sales of sacrifice animals. These temple guards hear the words of Jesus and they answer the chief priest. No man ever spoke like this man. Well, the chief priests rebuke these temple guards, and then they ask, have any of us, have any of the rulers believed in him? These religious leaders detest Jesus. But that isn't where it stops. They also detest the people. That rule over, they, they rule over. Jesus, in his teachings, has struck a chord of belief in the common man that these Jewish leaders detest. But enter Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he asked these rulers, Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin, and so he said, does our law judge a man before it hears him? Nicodemus attempts to warn the rulers against judging Jesus without hearing him. You have one voice of reason, one law-abiding voice of reason there in the Sanhedrin. I think we've all encountered a non-believer who rejects the truth of the Bible. A person that does not read the Bible, rejecting the Bible. In fact, the most quoted verse in Scripture by unbelievers is, Judge not, lest you be judged. And they like to use that against believers. So we have people that do not believe the Bible telling us who believe the Bible what the Bible says. What is wrong with that picture? But these rulers who detest and hate Christ find the people that they rule over as ignorant. They challenge Nicodemus. They challenge the temple guards. These rulers from Judea are caught up in what we would call severe prejudice. They consider the Galileans, the northern area of Israel, they consider it to be a place where the dumb people resided. That they are ignorant of the law. And they issue a challenge 
to any person who thinks a prophet can come from Galilee. That's peculiar. Let me name you several that came from Galilee. Jonah, a type of Christ, came from Galilee. Elijah, perhaps the premier prophet in the minds of the Jewish people from Galilee. Nahum and Hosea from Galilee. And that's just dropping a few names on you. And we see these Judean rulers being very prejudiced against the Galileans, and that rolls over to the, they're very prejudiced against the Samaritans that live in that same area. And they think they're dumb. And they think they're dumb because they're not one of us. Looking back at Nicodemus for a moment. And he, and he came to Jesus, when he first encountered Jesus, he came to Jesus asking, what must a man do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus wants to know, how can this be done? And Jesus reveals to Nicodemus, and he says to him, Are you the teacher, one of the premier teachers of Israel, and you do not know these things? And Nicodemus then departs from Jesus, but it leaves us wondering what happened to Nicodemus. What became of him? And Jesus Jesus' words have having an impact on Nicodemus. He's now a member of the Sanhedrin, and he attempts to persuade the rulers to obey the Jewish law. Obey the law. And it's interesting that Jesus never broke the Jewish law. He only fulfilled the law. But Nicodemus, he's come full circle. He questioned being born again, what was it all about, but he has become born again. He's became, he became a disciple of Jesus. No doubt he was a private believer. And church history tells us that Nicodemus went from being a very wealthy man to a poverty-stricken man because of his belief in Jesus. He no longer was in the inner circles of the Jewish faith, and he became a pauper. So, if we could ask Nicodemus today, was it worth it? Of course it was. And then we read verse 53, the last verse of chapter 7. And the group of rulers all go home still rejecting Messiah. God himself in the flesh being rejected by the hard hearts of unbelief. Wow, what a red flag for us. Guard your heart against unbelief. Guard it. Remember, belief's reward 
is eternal life. So, if we could interview the Jewish leaders of that day, if we could interview them today, what would they have to say? If we could interview Nicodemus today, what would he have to say? What would their report be? Well, that's an obvious one. That's an obvious one. We would all believe. For it's Jesus who gives life by his spirit. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, Lord, I thank you that by your spirit you work and deal with each and every human being on this earth to reveal yourself to us. We thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I want to personally thank you that you put within me a heart that responded to your truth. It was nothing that I did, Lord. We as a body thank you for giving us a heart of belief. Help us to exercise our belief in you. May it be on our lips. May it be in our heart. May we be expressing the goodness of God to anyone and all who will listen, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just a simple heart that believes. Cultivate that believing heart, Lord. Bring about your goodness in and through us. Lead us into good works, Lord. Guide us, direct us by your Spirit. Fellowship with us, Lord, as we attempt to fellowship with you by your Spirit. Do this good work is our prayer, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.